Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Happy Monday. Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Hanging out. Raja is back, back in the building. I'm back. Much needed vacation. Yeah. Little load management. Yeah, a little load. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make you know, sure I stay freshened fresh. up. Yep. So you're good. You're in a good mood. You're rest, rested. You're ready to go. Lots to talk about because we had the final four set, which we just mentioned in mm-hmm. our little update right there. LeBron is done for the season from the Lakers, but there's, uh, some stories, reports that are coming out of things that have transpired over this season that I think have been interesting. And I want to get your thoughts on those. And Tiger missed a four foot putt mm. at the WGC. What does it mean for his master's chances? We'll break that down as well. All right. Final four is set. Uh, let's start off with Duke, Michigan State, because that game was fa- it was fun to watch, as has almost every single Duke game throughout the entire tournament, mm-hmm. has been wire to the wire, like down to the last calls, and you've had some good calls, you've had some bad calls, things have gone their way, they have, uh, you know, other times they haven't. Clearly last night they didn't get their way. Um, I felt like they were flirting with disaster the whole time, so I wasn't very shocked when Michigan State was able to beat them, because if you play with fire that much, and you might be the more talented team. If you let the other team hang around, you're not going to get all those calls. The right. bounce isn't going to go your way. You're not going to get that last-minute shot. And sure enough, that's what happened as Duke falls to Michigan State 68-67 down the stretch. Yeah, I felt like they were living on borrowed time, right? You know, ever since kind of the UCF uh situation. And you, there's only so long you're going to be able to do that through a tournament as, as you continue to see teams that are better than the one you saw before. Uh What stood out to me last night was Cassius Winston and his ability to kind of be the floor general that Michigan State really needed. Um, cause they were down like nine at one point. It looked like, it looked like, uh, Duke was going to kind of overwhelm him and he kind of took control of the game and did what a veteran, uh, like, you know, I don't know if he's a junior or a senior, but a guy who's played a lot of games is supposed to do for your team. And there was an absence of that from the Duke side. You saw a bunch of young guys that are all super talented in their own right, a team that's talented, but nobody really take the reins of that and kind of take control. Zion tried to do it, but that's not really his game necessarily, you know, and, yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. There's a reason why, you know, NBA teams, uh, when they're ready to try to win championships, don't go all in on youth. They want guys who are experienced, guys that have been there and have done that. Now, when you're building a franchise, you want the young, shiny new object that can sell tickets. But when it's time to win, you want someone that's seasoned and, and has been there, has done that, and is positioned uh, to win a championship. And that's what Cassius Winston represented to me. Mm-hmm. And then Duke was obviously the young, one-and-done type of guys that are super talented and just couldn't get it together uh, when it really mattered the most. Tom Izzo uh, was quoted as saying Cassius Winston called his own play. Like he let him call the le- the, the go-up th- uh, three-pointer that yeah. in the head that ended up winning the game. He let him call the play. That's what you can do when you've had a when guy experience. around a little right. bit. If you have a bunch of freshmen out there, you don't have that trust level. They might not even know the system as well right. as you know a guy that's well, been around there. It's interesting that you say that because I've watched Duke for the last couple of years, and obviously Coco was fired up when we came We're in. We're going to bring morning. Coco in here in a minute. Um, He's still cooling off a little bit. Mike Krzyzewski's sets are really basic cable. Like they are really, really basic cable. And Have I, you always noticed that or is no, that to I the- really started recognizing it a year ago mm-hmm. when he had all those freshmen in with like, um, uh, what's the kid that plays in Sacramento now? Uh, Marvin Bagley yep. and all those kids. And it's, it looked like if, if my eyes really, like if they were looking at what I thought they were looking at at the beginning of the season, they were running more up to date offensive sets and it, it didn't look like it was really translating for them. And so he scrapped it and he went basic cable, floppy action with two pin downs, two guards coming out. You're, you're talking about pickup game type of stuff where 
you know, you don't need seasoned like uh uh high basketball IQ guys necessarily. You can have these young super ultra talented, you know, guys and put them in that system and just let the talent take care of itself. So it was interesting to, that you said that because I really do feel like they're, they're the seasoning isn't there for those guys. They're silly talent. Just no no real seasoning on any of them and I think that really showed. All right, let's bring our boy Coke in here cuz we don't want to lose credibility on the show, but he can lose credibility yeah. cuz he's you know, he's just the producer here. <laughs> but he had a hot take this morning that was scorching. I mean, he was getting yelled at across the newsroom floor. So go ahead. What what was your overall assessment of Coach K? I just think that that people put on a cape for him when he shouldn't. Well, like, time out, time out. He this just, is not what you this said this morning. No, no, no. I, I want to I wanna work no. into it because I can't just come out with fire. You have to, you know, just create yeah, the, fire. the fire. Right. The fire is the fire is that Coach K is overrated. He's just an overrated coach. Like, you can't have a generational talent. You can't have a generational talent in Zion Williamson and lose – and and just be out coached by a team with lesser talent. You can't. This is your level of uh, your area of expertise. So I'll let uh, you put take him. So I asked him like where he felt like Coach K fell short in terms of like his X's and O's and stuff down the stretch. And he referenced the last play that to- that Tom Izzo called. But you just kind of even put that to bed saying like Izzo said Cassius called the play. Right. Um. So I didn't really see a whole lot of out coaching um by Tom Izzo. What I will say, and I and I, I'm I, I'm confident in this. I've watched it. I think when you, when, when Coach Krzyzewski went to the one and done, and it took him a while, he was reluctant to yeah, do that. Yeah, he was that. one of the last ones. Right. But when he decided, like, I gotta keep up with the Joneses or I don't really have a chance, um, I think some of his teaching and coaching kind of went out the window. You're only gonna have these guys for one year. There's only so much development. Which isn't even you a full can, year. It's not even a full year. So there's only so much development you can do. So to some degree, it makes more sense to just roll out this super ultra talented group of kids, put them in the most basic stuff you can put them in, and let them play ball. So, from that regard, I, I kind of agree that, that Coach K probably has taken a step back in terms of his all-out coaching and trying to develop. But it's just because he's got these kids for such a short period of time that you don't want to you don't want to freeze them with with too much information. You want them to play loose, play free, and let their ability kind of win games for you. You know? Yeah, I would say this um, when you're talking about Coach K, and you're talking about specifically in this game. Do you think in a best of seven series, who do you think wins that? Duke. Right, I do too. Yep. That's why I think you can't judge it off of if he got coached in, out coached in one game because it's such a fluky way to determine champ. It's great, it's fun entertainment because you see buzz repeaters, you see upsets, yeah. but you don't always see the best team win or the best coach team because you could have a night where your guys are just off. Totally, like, and they're not a good three pointing shoot either. Uh, the the free throws have been awful. I mean, you were mentioning it before how many teams lost games because of poor free throw shooting, and I would like to say that we were on top of this before, and it wasn't. You know, we talked about it from the perspective of why are some of the one and done and these superstars, but it's across the board. Like guys yeah. are struggling from the free throw line that they've been struggling. There is so much of an emphasis put on like your your skill development from a ball handling perspective, and 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 you know at the youth level, the shooting is kind of it's not a lost art because everyone can shoot. Um, but there, there's not nearly as much emphasis put on like the, purely your shot. More, more time is spent on your handling and so on and so forth. I see so many guys grabbing balls now. We do this before we come on. Like I'm fascinated with the way. Like, nobody's got a really pretty form anymore. Like, there are a few guys that do, but a lot of guys shoot these jacked up shots and they just kind of will them into the basket. It's part of the reason they can't shoot free throws. But, um, you know what? I, like, I feel like a hypocrite. I, real talk. Cause all I ever do is come on here and say, like, get, go get your money. Go get your paper. Go get your money. 
I want them to come back. Right. Selfishly, yeah. yeah as yeah. a fan, there are very few times where I yes. look at things from purely a fan's perspective. I'm usually looking at it from like the business side, right? Like right. I, I want to go make my money. Uh, you got a family to set up. But as a fan, watching them and kind of getting attached to Duke, um, I would love to see them come back. They got Vernon Carey coming in there. You give those kids a year where Coach K can really teach them. Uh, they've been through the ups and downs. They've got the experience. Um, I think that they do deserve a national championship. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's some guys I don't think care about it. Zion and RJ might not care either. That's fine. But I think they deserve one, and I think ultimately they'd win one. I want them to come back. I wish they would, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I think we're living in a family. No, I mean, they won't, and that's cool, too. But right. I want them to come back. You remember my hot take was uh Zion Williamson's going to be better than RJ Barrett in the playoffs. Yeah. I'll say this. On the last couple possessions, Zion delivered on his – Boy, R.J. Barrett did not. Uh, well, R.J. got to the bucket. He, 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 got, the bucket. he got the bucket. He got fouled. Although, um, they're both terrible free throws before in critical situations. They're was able to look out. They're both terrible free throws. He, like, Zion is a more physically gifted um, drop-in, ready-to-have-that-translate type of specimen, right? R.J.'s is more nuanced. It's a more nuanced conversation. Like, he does things with the ball. Um, in terms of being able to facilitate offense with his size, um, you know, create for himself, you know, he does things that, that, that Zion's not going to be able to do. Now, I'm not saying that at the end of the day, he does them well enough to be, you know, uh, 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 an all time great or anything like that, but I do think he's got m- more versatility than a Zion does. So he's got more chances to be successful at the NBA level than Zion does. Zion is doing one thing. He's doing one damn thing, Danny. He's coming at you. Yep. And he's going to be physical. There's not a whole lot of, like, growth there. He's not going to turn into this slick ball handling. It's not going to do that. Like, RJ's got a lot of stuff, and it's none of it's super refined yet. But, man, it's a whole lot of, like, I would hate to have the number one pick in the draft. Because you'd want to take RJ. I would RJ hate to have the number one. You can't. You can't right. take RJ. You have to take Zion. I would want to have the number two pick in the draft. Right. And then you get your guy. Yep. Uh, so we'll have to see who that is because I think it's really interesting that you believe a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, but it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out when it's all said and done. All right, so you got Auburn versus Virginia, Texas Tech versus Michigan State. So have you have we learned anything? Because I always felt like with the one and dones, because now you know there's gonna be a significant outcry that says, hey, this is why you don't want one and dones because you can't develop them. You're gonna get beat by teams that have you know upperclassmen yeah. that have been around the program. I think that's great, but I think every coach in the country would still take the one and dones because you want that shot at them. I think what you need is a good mix. You need a one and done or two, like one or two of those guys. And then you need like a Grayson Allen. Like he would have mm-hmm. been perfect with this team. Yeah. It's kind of a floor general, a guy who knows K's system, you know, and they missed him by a year, but like that type of player to mix in with there, another couple role players that kind of know the, know the ins and outs of what you want to do. Right. And then just those studs that are raw potential that can kind of feed off of those guys. Did you have, you, uh, I think that you can afford like the one, one and done. When you start to put in two, one and dones, I think you get really like freshman happy. Mm-hmm. Like those guys tend to, you give them the ball and kind of get out of the way. And I don't, I don't think that's the recipe. I mean, the year Calipari, I heard it this morning, like the year Calipari won with the one and dones, it was a lockout shortened season. So a lot of the guys that would have potentially come out, that would have potentially come out that year before, they came back to school. So he really had like a fresh crop of one and dones and a set of sophomores that had already kind of been through the rigors of an NCAA season. That's why they won. There are not a whole lot of other cases of them winning, right? And so you look around the landscape of the final four, there are two freshmen starting. In the, right. in the final four. There are right. two freshmen starting. And then you look at a team like UVA who got knocked out last year, like they were the first number one seed to lose to a 16. Yep. And you look at Ty Jerome, their point guard. 
man, he's good. Like he's like a Cassius Winston. Like he really controls the ship. You, you, you've got like poise oozing out of every pore. You've got uh, Kyle Guys, another good player. You got the kid DeAndre Hunter from Philly um, that missed last year's tournament, but he's not a freshman. You've got guys that have just been in these battles mentally and let's not discount the the maturity that you go through with your body danny yep like stronger i came in as a freshman i was 185 pounds by the time i was a senior i was 220 like you know that's a lot of muscle and 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 um ability to withstand certain things going to the cup and defensively and so i i I tend to agree you can you can have a one and done guy but man you got to surround him with a whole lot of like veterans that have been there done that now you have something cooking you start talking about two three one and done guys you're going to be exciting but you're going to get knocked off probably in a tournament. I wonder what Coach K like thinks of this. Like when he has a stand- chance to step away and like self-evaluate and say, all right, how are we this close? What do we do to get it done? Because it's really tough to pass up on these dudes. You well, know, and you don't. Like, and that means you always said Vernon yeah. Carey. Oh, and they got other, like he's, I remember Vernon Carey, who was like, first thing I'm going to go do is get more guys to come with me. Correct. You know, so you're kind of in this situation where what do you do? He's stuck now. Right. Everyone who started doing it, you're, you're essentially stuck because like, these guys are going to keep coming and it's too hard to, to not, Take a swing at him, right? But if you ask Coach K, like, what were his best years? Like, what what were his what what, what years his will he cherish years? the most? They were the ones with Bobby Hurley and Christian Leitner and Grant Hill, and you know, you develop relationships with these guys. They become part of your family. I caught part of the Leitner, like everybody hates Leitner, thirty for yeah. thirty. You know, I saw Shashevsky's wife talking about Christian Leitner, like that's a son to him, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I would bet if you could put him in a time machine. And he could stop the whole thing. He'd probably say, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. But when everyone else is doing it and they're beating you with their one and dones, uh, it's tough. And I would bet even from purely a coaching standpoint, there's a part of Coach K that says, man, I sacrificed part of my DNA as a coach to accommodate these one and dones because there's not as much you can do with them. It takes – for a coaching plan to unravel, you you played Danny at, a, at the highest level you could play at college football. Right. Um, did they drop everything on you as a freshman? Or did no. they, did they start, they, they build you from year one to year four? They build you because they know you're probably not ready for it. And it's, there's a different mindset with kids nowadays where, and they are more ready than I was. Right. But they're getting stuff thrown at them like we haven't seen. And it can be overwhelming. And it's not only, and not only from the, you talk about maturity of your physical body. How about mentally? Sure. Like your confidence level and who you are as a player. Emotionally. As a person, yeah, emotionally. Right. All those types of things. You grow up a lot. So it's pretty significant. You know, you were saying before about how you want all these guys to come back. You know, it's got to be hard for Coach K not to say, Hey, come back. But he's, he realizes he knows the drill. He knows what he's into. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Virginia Purdue game was insane. You had the uh, epic performance from Kyle Guy, who's really kind of been a breakout. Uh, breakout star uh, Carson Edwards as well was on fire had an epic performance 26 points in the second half in overtime uh, Virginia are they your kind of favorite as the only number one seed that's left that's hanging on versus a couple like Auburn feels to me like that fire pick like they're on fire right now they've got this momentum rolling yep. even though they're losing guys to injury they're still on fire but Virginia is probably the smart play because I sometimes they lost can be a good thing whether it's in a season or it happens a last year. And I think sure. the UMBC loss that you mentioned really drove this team and has them on this mission where they are focused and ready to try to knock this thing off. Although, I mean, they could have been knocked off. Man, they got lucky. Here. Again, yeah. a free throw. That kid, that kid from Purdue, yep. I don't know his name. He hits the second end of that, that one and one. Yep. And this is, it's all moot. Yep. Um, but I do think that they're probably the favorites. They really defend. Uh, Auburn is hot. I got friends that are like, what, what are they? War Eagle? Like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm all good with that, but they lost one of their best players to a to a really crazy ACL in that North Carolina game. Uh, I, I think you give them some time to settle into the fact that they've lost him, and it's going to affect them more than it did yesterday. Right? You know what I mean? Um, I, I 
Virginia plays defense and they always have. Like they lock down. I don't know where they were in terms of defensive efficiency, but they're usually like a top 20 team in the country. This year they've got some, some offense to go with it. You got Kyle Guy, you got Ty Jerome, you, 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 you got, uh, Diakit, you got people that can put the ball in the bucket. Salt is playing like a great Steven Adams type of role for them. Um, I, I think they are the favorite to win it, but they scare me because they have, they have the track record of, of, of like laying the egg. But Coach Bennett said something to him, I guess, like I, I was listening to the post game and he said, like, guys, don't, like, own that. Own what happened last year as the only number one seed to lose. Like, that's part of your legacy now. Like, don't run from it. But let's make next year part of our legacy too. Let's do something about it. So I, I, I like that, right? We're not running from the fact that we were that team, but we're going to come back and the only way to like live that down or, or is to, is to win it this year. So I think they would be my favorite, but they are scary, dude. Like I got to be honest. They're right, right. I mean, that's, and that's, I think the whole tournament's been scary. That's why you've it had has. all these, th- uh, number one seeds knocked out and you've seen all these upsets. I don't, wouldn't feel confident putting money on any team in this one. Who knows? Maybe it's Texas Tech, the only team we didn't really get to talk about. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Uh, it was made official because we've talked about it here for it seems like a long time, uh, ever since LeBron hurt his groin. Mm-hmm. Uh, should he play? Should he not play? He came back, of course, tried to make the run to keep him in the playoffs, even then when they were official eliminated, played a few more games, but now it is official, uh, with just, um, not that many games left. What is mm-hmm. it, six or seven games? Yeah, that's about. They have, uh, they've made it official. Their comment was after consulting with our team doctors and medical staff, we have decided to hold LeBron out for games, uh, the remainder of the season. This, uh, this is from Magic. This decision will allow his groin to fully heal and is the best for future success of both LeBron and the Lakers. I don't have any problem with it at all. I mean, I just, if you're, you're building for the future this year is a wash. If, if a groin injury is still lingering, which it may or may not be, even if it's not, like, it's just the Who best cares? thing you can do for it is get off of it. And, you know, he's been still trying to produce. He's going to go out there. He's a competitor. If he's on the court, you just don't want to see it strained where it sets him back again. So they're saying, all right, let's get him off there. Yeah, I'm fine with this. Look, even, I, I wonder, I, I've always maintained I thought he was playing hurt since the all-star break. I, I, I really would like to know, like, to, like what percentage he's playing at. Like, if there was ever a way to kind of figure that out. Um, cause they were two different teams after the break. But when you look at, when you look at, their numbers pre Christmas uh, and post Christmas, they're they're not that much different. I mean, you're talking about an offensive rating before the break of like 108.4, and then a you know 107.1 after the break. Like these are within a, a a percentage point of each other. So it's interesting that they would just have this precipitous kind of like decline, and it leads you know it leads to where I think you're going with this. It, it, me to believe that it was less like physical and 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 on the court like groin strain and more probably emotional yep. uh the baggage and the scars left over from that all that botched trade um you know attempt at and what's his name anthony davis like there there were some real 
funky things going on in LA and specifically in that, in that building. Totally agree with you. I think it's all, I mean, I think that's one of the most undervalued aspects of, of teams, championships, championship teams or chemistry. You know, like how yeah. much do you guys like each other? How much do you enjoy playing with each other? How much, uh, how unselfish are you willing to be because you like guys on your team? Like all the, there's these dudes are probably like, man, screw LeBron. I'm not going to pass it. Or even like all of it becomes more selfish if there's one guy that's treated differently. I agree with you. And I want, I want you to finish your thought because I don't mean to hijack it, but I, I do think that you can, if you're good enough, you don't have to love each other, but you can't hate each other. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like you, we can, we can come in the building, get along fine, go about our business, have our pleasantries, but we can't like secretly be like hating each other and the way we go about our business. That becomes a really big problem. I think you had that. Yeah. I don't think you have to have, you know, 13 or 14 dudes that are going out every night right. that are hanging together all the time. There's got to be a professional working respect. I think that helps though. If you, oh, can, absolutely. If you can have that. Like if you look at LeBron's team with D Wade and Bosch, uh, and Birdman, all, when they were doing the, uh, the Harlem Shake video. Yes. Like they were having a blast right. and that makes life a lot better. Mm -hmm. You produce a lot better. It makes you handle adversity a lot better because there's just a genuine love there. It becomes more like a family. But yeah, I totally agree. Like there, if that's the ultimate, you don't have to be the ultimate. I think that's the best case scenario, right. but you have to have a respect for one another. And I think that's where like that hatred comes from. It's a lack of respect. It's a, you know, people are looking around like, man, who's going to stab my back? And we were just joking because there's this, you know, Ramona Shelburne has uh, this piece out uh, where there's a bunch of information. What Good teams don't have this many leaks. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, you know, like you know, all these correct. stories that are coming out after the fact. Um, you know, a team source uh, told ESPN, the only players whose play hasn't been affected by the trade talks are LeBron James and Rajon Rondo. Like, that tells you something. Those are only, the, the, you know, of course, LeBron is not going to be affected because he's not a part of it. And Rondo's a veteran who's, a, you know, towards yeah, the end of his just, career. Yeah, just kind of you know, crazy yeah, enough yeah, to probably not exactly. be Exactly. Everybody else, and I would say it is everybody else, has been effect, affected, and their play has been on the court because of it. Yeah, the, um, I was one of the people around the trade deadline that was saying, look, that's your job. Go do your job. Right. You know? But clearly, um, I wasn't there. And the circumstances surrounding this particular trade were so distracting for these guys that they couldn't get back the, 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 whatever the mojo was that they had before that. So, um, I, I'm going to give most of them a pass. If it was one guy who kind of fell off, then I would be like saying, Hey man, you, you need to be a little mentally tougher. But when you got a whole team full of young guys just kind of falling apart and crumbling, that speaks to there being something wrong there. Um, and that usually comes from the top, you know? Yep. And when you've got a guy like LeBron and I'm, I'm, I am a LeBron fan and a supporter and I've, I've worked with him and his people and you know, it's translated into wins everywhere he's been. Not, there's not enough time uh, for it to have worked in LA and the jury's still quite frankly out on whether it does or not. But what I will say is LeBron does have, and I imagine all the greats did have a very, very high expectation level of the people he's working with. Sometimes unfairly high because what he's able to do, I can't do. Otherwise I'd be you. You understand what I'm saying? Like yep. Steve Nash, great point guard, right? Um, he had a way of not throwing you under the bus when you couldn't live up to his expectations. He knew that he was Steve Nash, two-time MVP, and I was like a journeyman, like two-guard that's shooting well because he's assisting. So if there was ever a mistake made on my part, he usually took ownership of that. Made me feel good and safe and secure in that I had people that had my back. When you have someone pointing a finger at you or just like, ah, uh, or, uh, or like, and I play with those guys too. I'm not going to name them. Yep. That starts to really wear on you as a person, like uh, uh, as a player with your confidence level, like things become unsure, unclear and your, your, your 
uncertain as to whether or not like he has confidence if you and starts playing games with you, LeBron has a tendency to do that. And it's even worse when it gets to the next level, not only body language, but then you hear you're actually part of a trade. Then oh, that's yeah, yeah. the ultimate dis- right. Like you're saying, oh, man, not only is he showing me up in games, but he's willing to ship me off. Then you've got an absolute disaster on your hands. So it's got so bad that Rondo called – and this is a Dave McMiniman piece. Sorry, I thought it was Ramona Shelburne, but it's Dave McMiniman with ESPN, where Rondo actually called this players-only meeting in Memphis. And this was March 23rd, so it was about a month ago. Um, but there was a – a forum, an open forum where people could speak their mind and players spoke up. Players focused on James, LeBron James, inconsistent body language throughout the year. The four-time MVP copped to the critique telling his teammates that in essence, cutting out behavior like slump shoulders and sideways glances has been something he has tried to work on his entire career. I mean, this sounds like one of those, like I'm surprised they didn't have like a psychologist in the room, like trying yeah. to air out their grievances. I don't know if I even believe it from LeBron. I think he's just trying to cater to the younger guys who he had totally demolished their relationship. So he was trying to hold out an olive branch. Well, I've been trying to work on this. Although I don't think he's ever tried to work on it because it's only gotten worse this year. I'd be fascinated to know who stepped up. Yeah, me out. too. Like, cause I would have a lot of respect. That takes some moxie. Yeah. yeah. Get up in the room and, and, but once you've been held on that trading block and you know, you're probably out there next year anyway, you're probably more, you have a little bit more confidence. That's one of those things. So I remember having a conversation with Amin Al-Hassan, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? And he was still working for the Suns, right? Uh, and he asked me like he was having some, you know, the Suns weren't running very well at the time and he was asking me he was like he you know he had some input and people were asking him I said listen dude before you and I told him this in the bowels of the Phoenix arena I said be careful what you say to people man I was like because like everyone says they want the truth until you give them the truth all right and when you give people the truth they realize pretty quickly they probably didn't want to hear the truth you know what I mean so be really selective and that's one of those things when you get up in one of these meetings and it's like an open forum yep hey be really careful what you say in those do you know what I mean? You have to because you throw you throw shade at the wrong person in one of those open forum meetings, and your ass is shipped out. <laughs> like <laughs> right. you are gone, right? Like, and he might take it like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to work on that. Hey, yo, dog, we gotta get any. <laughs> right? I can't believe this right. dude said that. So like, it's it's a really interesting thing for me to know who would have stepped up and kind of called him out because it is it is a thing, and I do believe that LeBron knows it. He's tried to work on it. I mean, it's plastered all over any outlet right. that you could find in the morning. So, like, they're, they're, he probably knows it. But, again, that's why these dudes don't always make the best coaches. Like, do right. you know what I mean? It's because – Same thing with Jordan. Same thing with Larry Bird. Like, all these guys that are outstanding players, they can't relate guys can't. that don't have that drive or that talent. And you see a thing through this, this like, prism of, like, like – you know, just genius, right? And I just don't see it that way. It's like me doing homework with my, with my, like my, my 10 year old son, right? Like, I'm not a math genius, but I've graduated high school. So this basic cable fraction stuff, it's really easy for me, right? He doesn't understand it. And I am like super frustrated that he can't wrap his mind around it. You know what I mean? And it's like not fair to him. And that's, that's the way LeBron, MJ, and some of those guys can, can view their teammates. It's not always fair. The great ones, though, figure out that they, that they have to take care of those guys, though, and not show the frustration. Raja, this brings up my second hot take that I that uh-oh, I told uh-oh, you before the uh-oh, show. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Is that Magic has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea. Like, you just said it. Like, some people are just great players, but they don't make great coaches. I think the same could go for him being the team's president, is that, like, he may think he knows, but right now I just think that, like, he failed LeBron. I, you're he, agreeing? I, you're agreeing? I don't know. Like, right. that's the thing. Like, you could be right. Magic had no real um experience in 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 running a team. I mean, he was what president of the Dodgers? What was he? Or co-owner? Or something yeah, co-owner. Like that? Um, 
But in terms of building basketball teams, like, I don't know. I don't know what his track record was. And then you showed me a clip before of like some of the things that he said about the team uh, and the way he built it that would just be in complete like contradiction to like conventional wisdom in terms of the way you need to play in today's NBA. And, you know, you couple that with, with, um, you know, the art, I think we had it in our stuff about the Zubots deal where you, you know, Zubots was one of your good young pieces, right? Like all the rest of them, like, you know, Lonzo Ball was up and down, like Kyle Kuzma's had an up and down season, like Brandon Ingram had a good season until he got hurt, but Zubots was playing pretty well. You flipped him for Mike Muscala? And the, and like, the, the Clippers were laughing about it with Jerry West, uh, West when he was shortly after the trade deadline was hanging out with some people and was laughing about it. Said the Clippers didn't even call about Zubat. That the Lakers you got it offered him off and they were like slapping saying, I can't believe they're going to deal this dude. Yeah. Under, under rookie control for a few more. And look, I, I'm not, I don't know about magic and I'm not ready to say that it's not going to work. He's right. got a lot of work to do because I've questioned now, like openly on air. Yep. Whether guys really want to go play with LeBron in LA. Right. So, but the jury is out definitely but on whether see, that's or not a thing where I think you have to take a reasoned approach of it. It's only been one year. Yeah. And I think Magic, in his defense, I'm not saying he knows or doesn't no. know. He's he's a salesman. Like a dude loves to get out there, loves to talk. He was selling the Lakers. They needed hope and they put it in LeBron. LeBron sold that same hope. But all of us looked at this roster. None of us thought this was no one thought this was a championship roster. No. LeBron was the one who said, No, this is a long this isn't a one year plan. This is a multiple year. We're probably not gonna be that good this year. Like if anything, we should have just listened to them instead of getting all excited around the hype and said, All right, let's take the wait and see if So let's let's like uh, let's say LeBron is patient. Right. And he's fine with this year. I don't believe it, but let's say he's all right with the way the year played out because he was always on the long play with the Lakers. Right. How much long do you think that lasts? Like if they right. don't, like if I they think, don't, I think this year is the next year is the year. Like, like they have, right. they have to get the big signing. They have, let's to say they the don't. Year. Well, then, then it's going to be a, then you're going to see an ugly end to LeBron's career. That's going to be ugly, right? Not right. And to his, like to his legacy type of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to take a huge hit. And I wonder how much he's concerned about that because I think he should be. You know, and if you look at some of the names that are out there, can he get a boogie to join? Can he get Anthony Davis to come? But not all of those names are alike though. Right. Right. Do you understand what I'm like? Right. You've got a few names. Kevin Durant, Ky- Kawhi, Kyrie. Um, those three are, Kawhi said he's that's, not going there. Durant's not going to go. Dude, three. that's it on that list though. That, 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 that is another star with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The rest of those guys, when you start going to Jimmy and Mark, Jimmy, Chris Middleton, Clay, Kemba, DeMarcus, um, that's another tier of player, right. but not Kevin Durant, Kawhi, Kyrie. Right. Right. You're talking about not a, a big three type, not player a big three type forming player. a new they're, big three. They're the third of your big three, not the second of your big three. Right. Right. So they still need to do it. I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Of course, as the NBA is, it's probably going to be more entertaining than another yeah. Warriors championship run. All right, welcome back, Kenel and Bell. So the NBA obviously is coming down to a close of the season. The Warriors still ha- hanging on, trying to get that number one seed uh, the, for the home court advantage. So they're playing the Warriors. Uh, they're playing, the Warriors are playing the Timberwolves Friday night, mm-hmm. and there were some really interesting uh, plays and calls from the officials that played out late in that game. I want you to take a look at these. Okay, tell me what you think in the sequence play, a sequence of plays in overtime uh, when Minnesota actually won. So this is Kevin Durant. This is going for the tie. And one. Drains it. Should have been an and one, but the official. Oh. Hold on a second. It happened on the court. Waved that off. Waved it off. So that's with 5.5. Now there's terrible call. Then right. Steph gets in the corner with so 4.4. <laughs> undefe- yeah, you can't defend that. Drains a three to make it go tie. So there's 0.5 seconds Oh, he's left. pointing. Yeah. Oh, they're both pointing at him. At the ref. That's pretty egregious. Then there's the throw-in call late. Half a second left. 
Durant's got him. He kind of grabbed Carl Anthony Towns. He kind of did. Definitely grabbed his waist. So Carl Anthony Towns gets the free throw. They win the game. Definitely grabbed his waist. That's an, that's a, oh, he's laughing. Yeah. See, this is, they were laughing because they thought the officials were so bad. That's just laughable. It's not even where you get angry. It's past the point of anger. It's where you laugh at them. Let me, let me, yes. I would take a, let's start with the last play of the game. Okay. Foul. Yep. Grabs him around his waist. Not even in that situation, you let that go because it's probably not going to go down. Because they had executed well. They got right. the up screen. Yep. And they got the switch with Kevin Durant on the top side, right? And yep. they've emptied out the back side of the rim. So there's nothing there. You now have a layup if you're Carl Anthony Towns. If I'm a ref and I see you as Kevin Durant, who's clearly out of position, grab him around the waist. You have to call You it. have to call it because advantage is gained. If there's right. no advantage gained and we're in this scrum of people and someone's holding, I'm not calling that if I'm the ref. Right. But in that instance, Got called that. All right. How about the Kevin Durant with 5.5? Terrible call. Terrible call. Absolutely de- 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 terrible call. Terrible and call. For you as a ref in that situation to th- – that's an easy one. And one. It, he shot the ball almost simultaneously, right? Don't don't be the don't be that guy. Don't be the reason why the game like end, ends poorly for, for Golden State. Do you know what I mean? Like you've taken the initiative now as a ref to screw Golden State. Right. Uh, and that's the way it appeared. It almost yeah. appeared like there was something nefarious going on. Let's listen to some other players. Uh, Steph Curry, after the game, was talking about the officials. Which is the worst call in your opinion? Uh, you have to ask the MVP of tonight, Mark Cody. Uh, the most frustrating ending you've seen in the game that you've been a part of? Probably not, but it's the one that has just happened, so I mean, it's a little heated. All right, so if you couldn't hear him, he said, you have to ask the MVP, Mark Kogut, who was the ref in Mark the game. Mark Kogut is his name? Yeah, that's who we went after. Durant also was asked about it, and he said later, uh, I was going into my shot, and the ref, Kogut, he was the best player on the floor. He's so good with his whistle. He knew they were going to foul me before I shot the ball, so he's one of the greatest refs of all time. Uh Draymond took to Twitter instead of blasting him in the press, and he just put out two tweets. One was TD, and one... M. Duncan? I don't know. Huh. The other was MK. So Kogut was the one official. TD, people are making the connection saying it's Tim Donahue, the, uh, the official who uh, fixed the game. If you ever thought there was fixing going on, this is where it would... This is one of those ones where you're like, man, that looks like a controllable situation where the officials were trying to get it to go one way or another. Yeah, that would be, I, you know what? I would think that if you were a ref, it's obvious though, you wouldn't. I don't know that you do it then, right? Really, right? Like, I think if you if you were a successful like uh, gambling referee, that you would do it way more subtly, and you, you'd have your art down to more of a science than that. You don't make that call there for some money. That's one where if you got a hundred k on it as a ref, right. you might have to eat it. Right, like right. Might, because it's too obvious. Uh, 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 what a if player. you had a million? Whatever the number, whatever <laughs> number it was, it was too big for him in that game. If it was the it. case, I think that's one of those again. And I want you to, I want you to go into your thing. But I think that's again. There, I didn't watch that whole game. There was probably interaction between Mark Kogut and Golden State the whole game, right? And he let his fill-ins get involved because that's not a call you make. I don't believe that to be a, a cheat for for monetary purposes. I believe that to be a cheat to say "f you, I got you." Right. Yes. Absolutely. So you let me ask you something because you had Steph Curry's comments calling him the MVP. You have Kevin Durant saying he's one of the greatest refs of all time because he anticipated all fines. Foul. Uh, which one in your mind is or Draymond's cryptic tweets? Which one in your mind do you think Adam Silver is most upset about? Um, I'll tell you my take. I think it's Draymond. It's it would be, because, you, but I don't think he can do anything about Draymond. 
Right, because you can't prove. He but, could say, hey, it was my friend's initials or whatever. Correct. But what, that, but him implicating that there could be something nefarious as far as fixing games. Terrible look. That should be, like, that's the one where you get the phone call. Yeah. And it's not even a fine, like, whatever. You go and additionally say, we need to have a private conversation. Yeah. For the best of the, you know, for the good of the league, one of those types of talks. Right. We can't be having this out there. Because, I, I, I mean, I think Adam Silver, coaches, everybody understands when players get livid. I do think... That Steph pointing at the ref, like, could you imagine if that's that so was fantastic. Russell Westbrook? Like, they, cause I don't, even, I didn't, like, did he get a lot of heat for that? Fantastic. If it was Russell Westbrook, though, he would get blasted. I think this is why a lot of players yeah. are a little jealous. It gives Steph, Steph the pass. He doesn't get that much heat for something like that. Yeah, I think. And then you had Igadala pointing at him. <laughs> like, it was like, it was like, that was legendary stuff, man. It was, it was great. The only thing better would have been if they had just won the game and got to walk off. Right, exactly. The rest, at the end of the day, the, the ref still the ref's got it done. Absolutely. Well, you know who didn't win this weekend was our boy Tiger Woods because he was, uh, he was out in, uh, uh, Arizona. I think it was Arizona, right? Uh, um, no, they were in Texas. Texas, Austin, that's right, right? Austin. Austin. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, they're playing in Austin, and he looked pretty good. Like, he had a pretty good, solid showing. Gets the match Saturday morning against mm-hmm. Rory. It was a pretty good back-and-forth match. He comes out there. By the way, Rory left that match hot. Did you see he didn't talk to the media? No. Like, he was fuming. He left because he was ticked off that he lost. Yeah. Uh, so Tiger wins that uh, one. Take that. That was awesome. Then, in the final... uh Final, in his final round, so Saturday afternoon, he had to continue to advance. Lucas Beergard, who was playing, was a fascinating match. Back and forth. Woods looked like he was going to be in control. Then he, before the shot, before he hit in the bunker, was really his biggest mistake because he had like 60 yards and he dumped it in that bunker. Right. Then had four feet. Oh. To have the hole, which would have extended the match. And it knocks instead. Beergarden wins the, wins the match, goes on to play the next day. I don't know. I was watching it live. You didn't see so, it live. So right? you said he had a sixty. He had a wedge in where he like could a have flop shot. It was like a. It was yeah. So he they both hit driver. Yeah. pretty good about the same distance. Beergarden was actually a little bit farther than yeah. him because he had a uh, little bit less. But I'm talking Tiger had like seventy yards, but it was in over the bunker. the bunker. Yeah, it was a little fat, a little heavy, left in the bunker. So Beergarden just put it on like just put it on like twenty feet safe, and then Tiger hit his sand shot. So he needed par to force the extra holes. But what was fascinating about the hole before that. Tiger was lined up over about a 12 foot putt, um, to win the hole there. And the, uh, the announcers were talking about that. Like, Man, Tiger, you know, these are putts that, you know, the greatest putter of all time, which is Tiger. You know, you got to assume that he's going to make this right. putt. And he did. And so they were like, yep, there was there ever a doubt in your mind? They were right. like, no, we just knew he was going <laughs> to make it. Then, Four footer. then because he chunked the one in the bunker, yeah. when he was lining up his putt, they were like, man, can you imagine the pressure on this putt? If he misses this, this is going to be the talk of the weekend. And then sure enough, Tiger misses it. I do think it's one that, you know, you talk about defining Tiger. It's one that he makes 95% of the time. Right. He was ticked off. He said he was mad. He's like, obviously I wanted to play the next day. I still think he's playing really good. I still am contending that he's in a good spot going into Augusta. First of all, yeah, I agree with you 100%. He's hitting the ball well. He actually putted really well the whole weekend. Yes. It was just that putt that he missed. Correct. And I'll say this. like In, in terms of like, look, yeah, if you're Tiger Woods, you got to make that putt. Right. Unfortunately, like that's the air you live in. The yep. four footers to, to like save matches or to win them, you make them. Yep. It was a WGC match play event. So it's not like it costs you to masters or to open. Right. So people are going to forget about that. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Now the good news for him is like he's probably seething, right? And yep. he's got a little motivated, motivational chip on his shoulder. He played really well, came up a little short. I think all the, all the, uh, all the cards kind of line up for Tiger to have a good week at Augusta. I don't know if he's going to, Win the Masters, like, uh, but 
I do know that if he's hanging around and he's there on Sunday, yep. anything can happen there. I think so too. I took a bet. Uh, Tiger Woods, not to, so I, I don't like taking him with the value that you're going to get offered at 12 to 1. I just don't think it's good enough. I don't think it's significant for only one tournament. So it's plus 270 for Tiger Woods to win any major this year. Yeah. So I took it plus 270. And he, he's going to play at the Masters where he's won before, feels really comfortable there. He's playing at Pebble. Yep. Uh, Beth he, Page. He's playing at Beth Page Black where he's won before. And the British, he's, it's not a course that he's won before, but he's still, like last where year, he it? finished second there. Uh, uh it doesn't matter. Way Lake maybe or yeah, something. It's, right. uh, you know, but, but in any case, I'm getting four shots at Tiger, which I think is pretty good value. Sure. So, you know, I'll be rooting for, uh, throughout this, uh, you know, the golf season. Uh, his caddy, our buddy Joe LaCava, uh, said, quote, I think this was a big step in the right direction for sure. He got more rounds in, played some decent golf in the heat of the battle. Definitely reason to be optimistic. I think he got better each day. And I thought, I don't, I don't think that's him just stroking his player. I think that's, that's what you take from this tournament. Absolutely. And I do think like that beating Rory, who's been as hot as anybody, like yeah. he's a favorite to win the Masters. Yep. Beating Rory head to head was more valuable. Than, totally. than that loss to, to yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. No one's going to care about that. No one's going to care the about that. The fact that he went toe to toe with Rory is the yep. one where he gets some, uh, some, some motivation and some confidence coming through that one. All right. Welcome back. Kenel and Bell. So baseball's in full swing. We had opening day last Thursday. How worried are you about the Yankees losing two out of three to the Royals? Pretty worried. Louis Severino didn't look no, right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Cause he's not, he's not, he's, <laughs> he's hurt, right? He's, he's out. So yeah, good <laughs> stuff from you. Not, we'll be all right though with the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, but it is time for first pitches. Have you ever thrown out a first pitch at any base? Yes, game? I have. Yes, Salt Lake Bees. Nice. Yes, are you okay? Double A. Oh, I'm fine, bro. Yeah, yeah baseball. Like, yeah, I'm just fine. Whip, whip it in yeah. there. You don't. You don't. Can't put too much pressure on that. That's when no. things like just just flip it out, right? Because you always be better than fifty cents. Yeah, bro. Like, you always have that going for you, no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets, you'll be better than him. Well, we have a candidate for possibly the worst uh first pitch gimmick mm-hmm. ever. Not a celebrity. This is actually a dinosaur. At Dino Day at Globe Life Park. Do we have the video? Oh, I want to see this thing because I haven't I seen it yet. Oh, that, uh, oh it's stop. a pterodactyl. You're already doing a, too much. Right? That uh, is doing too much. You're doing too much. Is there a, there's a person in there, right? What is that, bro? That's a velociraptor, weird, right? That's a velociraptor. <laughs> so they couldn't get it there. Um, so that's <laughs> it. Did you that's miss it? it? Do we have to run it back? Pop from his mouth. All right, all right here it is to again. Actually here get it, it is to again. Swing? Here it is again. There it is. Oh, ready? Stop it. Oh, it got stuck in his teeth. There's actually a person in there. It looks like robotic, doesn't take, it? Look fake. Take that off the screen. Yeah, take that off the screen. That might be one of the worst ones ever. Cause That's you gotta at least, get it, you gotta at least like roll it there. So wait, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Ball doesn't get stuck in his teeth. There's not enough velocity for them no, to would, even get there no, in the it first still place. would have bounced there. By the way, I had maybe one of the worst opening pitches. Uh, yeah, cause I threw out the first pitch, uh, at a Florida State baseball game. Yeah. Uh, when I was probably after my, it was like my rookie year had finished in the NFL and I was back in Tallahassee yep. and I had this, uh, you know, throughout the first pitch because I played baseball there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the only thing I can relate to is when you see guys who really struggle with free throws, yep. it's because of the size of the ball is so small. Most of the guys are big. Right. So when I hadn't thrown a baseball in a while, throwing a football, and then you grab a baseball, it just feels weird in your, in your hand. hand. Yeah. And so it kind of got stuck, and it almost, like, the catcher had to, like, dive, and it was my boy. Yeah. But he, like, caught it, thankfully, but it, like, one hopped, <laughs> and it almost got past him. And I was like, thank goodness. I feel like I should have thrown out more first pitches. Like, I when you like, just, yeah, you just so asked too. me if I ever thrown out a first pitch, and I was like. Right? I think I've only, that's the only one I've thrown out, too. We need more. Like, I didn't even get an FIU first pitch. I, we gotta talk, we gotta talk to somebody in the Marlins yeah. organization. It's right down the road. The, the yeah. Marlins are show. high. Yeah, I'm like, yo, I'll do the up. local high school baseball. No, no, game. we're going big like, time. I'm, I'm, I'm easy. No, either go big oh, or right, go home. Right. No, we're talking to the Marlins. <laughs> we're going to get it done because we're going to go out there and do it. Um, so the NBA, 
It's coming down the stretch. And of course, it's the road to Zion. Mm-hmm. And now I got that official. Yeah, you got it. The road to Zion because everybody that's tanking are trying to get that first pick to increase their chances. Uh, the Cavs, Suns, and Knicks all have a 14% uh, chance right now at the top pick. Uh, the Bulls trail with 12.5 odds. The Bulls play the Knicks in New York, and the Cavs are on the road against the Suns. All these teams in the running for it. Um, this is a poop show. Is this what do you do if you're coaching now? When you just, just put out the worst lineup possible, like at, yeah, at with a point. guy like Devin Booker who's been going off his last three games, he's averaging 50, 52 points. Like, do you bench him? No, because like, it ain't not, matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they still lose. They're so bad. He's scoring sixty and they lose. Nah, if you're, you're look. You're just trying to get this over with. Yeah. If you're a coach right now, there's not. You're not even trying to see who can do what. Like. You know, I imagine some of these teams may be bringing up some 10 day guys or some, some two way dudes to get a look to see if there's any summer league guy. Like, at, at, real talk, right now, when you're, I don't know, 17 and 60, what could you possibly be selling to anyone on your roster? <laughs> right. Nothing. E- everyone is packed. Everyone right. is ready to go home. This is a wrap. And <laughs> then for anybody who's wondering, they literally are packed up. Like, I, yes. When I was in Atlanta, my last, both, because we were four and 12 and five and 11, both awful seasons, the last game of the year, I did not want to be in Atlanta anymore. I was like, I just want to get to Florida, get to the beach and relax. Mm-hmm. I came to the stadium with my car full of suitcases, full of everything I could shove in that car. And it was ready as soon as the game was there. Showered. Yeah. It might have been the quickest shower I've ever taken. Boom. In the car, on the road. Word. Like 15 minutes. So you don't even, you didn't worry about your exit interview? The second, well, so the first time I did the yeah. second year when I was free, I was done. My contract You're was like, done. I'm out. I was like, I don't need an exit interview. Wow. I'm done. Just That's peace fantastic. out. See ya. I should have done that. So mine was always like, look, my wife, make the flights. For the day, once once the season ends, like make the flights for later that afternoon. Let me get my exit interview done, but we're out. And we would have been packed. Like we would have been hustling around. On a team that's 17 and 60, we would have been packing our house for the last month. If I was a free agent and I wasn't living in, in Phoenix anymore and we were going, we would have been packing for a month. Getting that house together, shipping stuff. She might not have even been in Phoenix anymore. <laughs> oh, really? Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they might have been at home chilling, like enjoying the weather down here with my parents and all that kind of stuff. Like some huh? of the stuff I did, I look back on was so dumb. Just the optics of it. So the other the other time you get off is in a bye week. So right. when I was in the Giants, starting quarterback, uh, there's a bye week, right? So you have your Sunday game and then you have off the following week. So mm-hmm. our schedule was going to be we're going to come in Monday. And then we were going to have off because it was like a win or lose, and we won, so right. we're going to get off more time. So we we had practice and film Monday, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to be off, and then they wanted you back in town the following weekend right. uh, for something. So I come to practice, same scenario, bags in the car, ready to go to the airport, but I had to like get my dog. Yeah. I was bringing my dog down with me to get him. like I was going to leave him with my family because it was right. too much of a hassle. Right. It wasn't exactly right. a good purchase. <laughs> but I remember I had to leave the door open, and the dog was barking the entire practice <laughs> I was like, it was such a bad look but as soon as we were done hopped in the car off to the airport yeah those awful, are look, awful those, look those are long seasons when you're on a bad team oh when you're on a good team it could feel like like it goes by really quick when you're on a bad team and you're in the midst of like yeah it, it feels like work it like it feels like, like going to work to grind every day road, road to zion real quick yeah listen that boy's better he better pray he's either going to the knicks or the bulls you don't think the Suns is a good fit? I, I just like with the star power that he is. Like the Suns haven't given me a lot of reason recently to like feel like they can they can nurture that and 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 have it flourish there. So you need the market to be set up for you. The Knicks, Chicago, and New York are ready to go. Like I don't know that they're gonna going to win right to away. New York, because I think it's rigged. You think it's rigged? Yeah, he's going to New York. The NBA oh. needs Zion in New York City. He's going to bring the Knicks back to relevance. You watch. It's going to be like a Patrick Ewing pick. You know there was a lot of conspiracy. Oh, there's a t- the- there's still yeah. people that really believe it's mm-hmm. going to happen. All right, we'll see. see. Yep. For sure. All right, we'll be back. Good to be back.